You're listening to Panels of Blood, part of SplatterPictures.net. Welcome to Panels of Blood, the podcast where I read you horror comics from all eras. You know, we've been doing this Mars Attack series, and before we started, I hadn't gone back to watch the old movie, but since I've been doing so much Mars Attacks reading and really living in that world for the last few weeks, I thought, yeah, I'm definitely going to sit back and watch the 1996 version. And man, let me tell you, that movie is fucking buck wild. I can see why a lot of Mars fans weren't really into it, given the fact that the subject matter was treated so silly. Um, And I really think that it's not a bad movie whatsoever, and I think it's actually pretty funny. I think a lot of it is kind of a wasted opportunity to really make something special and to really give Mars fans what they've been wanting for years. But I mean, I get it. Like, it's 1996, and you want to create a mass appeal. Now, apparently, the original script, as I was uh, being read trivia to me by my friend while we were watching it, uh, he had told me that the original script was huge and insane and would have incorporated a lot of stuff, but the budget would have been astronomical. In 1996, it would have been something like $260 million, which is ridiculous. I mean, I I can't remember the exact year it came out, but I think the most expensive movie at the time was Waterworld, and that was a $100 million picture. You know, now, today, it's it's funny. Wouldn't you think that $100 million? I mean, that's not no money, but, I mean, my God, they make $250, $260, $300 million movies all the time nowadays. But... One thing that struck me was I'd watched Mars Attacks, and if you guys aren't aware of the the ending of that movie, is they defeat the Martians by a song, and the music makes the Martians' head explode. And I thought that, that was really funny, and I, th- I was saying to my friend, can you imagine the, the writing of that script, and you're just going to put something ridiculous like the frequency of the song, or the song is so bad in the Martians' opinion that it makes their heads explode? And there's really no explanation other than that. Like, they just kind of die when they're listening to this song can cut to a week later where I finally watched that new Star Trek Beyond movie uh, with the, you know all the Star Trek reboots the J.J. Abrams reboot the, the Star Trek Beyond was not directed by J.J. Abrams but whichever and I didn't like those films whatsoever but I really did like Star Trek Beyond and the only reason why I'm bringing a Star Trek Beyond up in a Mars Attacks reading is the fact that I'm watching this fucking movie and they're fighting this undefeatable alien swarm all these fucking ships and what do they do to defeat the aliens (laughs) they fucking have a song they play beastie boys and it makes all the ships blow up and i was like what a fucking weird wild world where i watch a movie from 1996 where i'd forgotten the plot point of music destroys the aliens and then cut to watching a big bloated 2016 science fiction Star Trek reboot and they <laughs> do the exact same fucking thing. It really struck me as funny. And also what really struck me was like how just evil the aliens are. Like they fuck with people. It's not even so much that they 
want to destroy Earth, which they do, but they also are sadistic. It kind of reminded me of if you're a kid and you're really playing a video game and you've beaten the game, you've gotten like 100%, but you still like the game, so you keep going back into the world and you just say, uh, okay, this time I'm going to kill this guy in the most brutal way possible, or this time I'm going to not kill anybody, or, or this time I'm going to create some kind of an elaborate trap and make these guys fall off a cliff. Just like all the weird sort of shit like Grand Theft Auto or Tenchu Stealth Assassins siphon filter type shit that you might want to do to just kind of fuck with the NPCs a little bit. Really reminded me of that. Because, I mean, the, the, the Martians have robotic hands that exist only to make you think that they're shaking your hand and then it kills you, and then it raises a flag. Why would you invent that, if not to fuck with people? And going into an old folks' home, killing a bunch of little old people and little old ladies, and, and this little old lady listening to music, you, you're going to bring in this giant oversized gun. Why? Why, why would you... <laughs> they're just pure evil, right? Because why would you? else would you do that? Anyway, it was really good. And if you guys haven't watched the Tim Burton's Mars Attacks movie in a while, I highly recommend it. I mean... It's just fucking fun. It's fun. And if you're Mars Attacks fans and you think, no, that, that ain't the Martians, man. Comic books, the trading cards, tops, that's the Martians. I don't know. I mean, just give it a shot. I, I think you guys will like it. So far in this comic book, I think you guys have been noticing that every book is sort of dedicated to a different person saving the day. And the comic book that we're going to be reading today is really no different. I mean, if we had Sidney Rose in the last one with his giant termites, we had Buck Spencer in the the previous one who saved the president of the United States life. And this is all predicated on this character of Czar, this Martian that came down in 1963 and was attacked by humans. His His crew was killed. He was badly maimed. He was going to be Sold. Well, he was sold to a carnival, and he was going to be part of the freak show, and he was tied to a chair, and that was going to be the rest of his life, just subjugated by this really unscrupulous dude. But now he has come back with an army, and we're going to find out in this issue that it's far more deep-rooted than we could ever imagine. Anyways, without further ado. I give you Mars Attacks, Attack from Space, a Tops and IDW collaboration. Words and Letters, John Lehman. Pencils and Inks, John McRae. Colors, Andrew Elder. Edits, Denton J. Tipton. I just want to say, just going off the bat, I don't know if this was a cover in the original comic book or, or what, but there's an absolutely haunting creepy vision picture of a Martian that I, I think was the cover page for this next issue that we're reading and it says art by Mention 3 and do yourself a favor look up Mars Attacks Mention 3 this picture is fucking badass it kind of reminds me of those old sketch drawings that you would see in some of the Marvel trading cards in the 90s we open to a splash page the depiction is of an Aztec temple Villagers huddled around, looking towards the sky, an Aztec warrior clutching a long spear and an elaborate headdress also looks skyward as a Martian ship flies amongst the trees. The caption reads, It wasn't the first time Martians had visited Earth. We see the Martians landing now, 
stepping down into the jungles of Mesoamerica. Aztec warriors watch on. The caption reads, They'd come before, throughout the centuries. We now have a panel of two soldiers. They look to be somewhere in and around the Napoleonic War, if I'm not mistaken. Two Martians walk towards them. The caption reads, And encountered various earthling cultures. Another panel, Martians giving a greeting to a group of Native Americans. The caption reads, The circumstances of each meeting were different. The next caption, The Aztec warriors are hurling their spears through the Martians' abdomens. But inevitably, invariably, every single time, the French soldiers now blasting their cannon, destroying the two Martians that were walking towards them. We now see cowboys invading the Native American village, shooting the Native Americans and the Martians. The caption reads, The outcome was always the same. We now see four Martians in a saucer in Earth's orbit, looking down. And so today, when the Martians at last returned, we pan out. There's more Martian ships. It was not to explore. We pan out farther, now the Earth in full view, thousands of ships surrounding it, not to observe. We see an ominous shadow looming over a group of humans looks to be in New York City. The caption reads, not to interact. A giant splash page of several Martian saucers destroying the city, a school bus flying through the air on fire, buildings collapsing, people running in terror. The title reads, Mars came to attack. A card depicting a flying saucer is across the page. It reads, Command Ship Captives. We're now in the interior of a Martian ship. Various Martians walk about the ship, some holding data pads, others piloting the vessel, others looking to manipulate control panels on walls, two standing guard with two human captives crouched in a corner. One of them says, Hey buddy, come here. Looks like things ain't going too well for old planet Earth, is it? And we see these two men standing side by side. One is an Aztec warrior still in his native garb. The other looks to be an American soldier from the Civil War. He's wearing a Union uniform, so he's a blue coat. Suddenly, a Martian jabs the soldier with a pike with an electric charge, shocking him, his hair spiking out in all directions as he looks in complete agony. The Martian shouts at him, now smoldering, holding his back. The Aztec warrior, looking ready for battle, stares at their Martian oppressors. The soldier says, And by the looks of things, this might be the end of the line for you and me too. They're being led along by Martian guards and they go by a laboratory, an experimentation room. We see a soldier in a modern garb now getting just cut apart by buzzsaws. I don't really know what the scientific implication of that would be. It's like, do humans die when you have several circular saws buzzing around their heads? Yes. Martians, yes, they do. This person is still alive while the circular saws burrow into his forehead, blood gushing everywhere as the saw cuts through flesh, bone, and brain. The soldier says, And I, for one, don't much cotton the idea. Love that expression, cotton the idea. We see the alien scientist 
holding this man's brain that he's basically just scooped out like a giant piece of ice cream. We see the soldier's empty head cavity. The face is just completely gone. And the Martian is just poking and prodding at the brain matter. From off panel, the soldier says, Ain't no dang greenie gonna use my brain for the betterment of Martian science. The two men walk down the hall, surrounded by guards. So listen here. Remember that plan I told you I've been working up? A close-up shot of his face. Seems to have a long scar down his eye. A well-kept goatee. He has very long, stringy brown hair. To get us the heck out of here? Thinking today might be the day we got to make that happen. Because of him. And by the way, if any of you are interested, this is always a, a, a technique about comic books that you guys might be interested in, is we have a character here referencing another character. Because of him, the emphasis is to let us know that as we turn the page, we're going to be revealing a brand new character or maybe a character that we've seen before but hasn't been in the plot for a while. And these are called page turners. You know, when I'm writing comic books, my editors are always page turners, Wes, page turners. It's because so when you open up a comic book and you have a page on either side, right? So you got a left page and a right page and you got your whole story there. But then after that, you need a reason to turn the page. And what you can do in those cases is you can make little miniature cliffhangers, if you will. Like when we watch commercials on TV, if anybody still has cable, what you do is you're writing your TV show and you know there's going to be a commercial break. So you do these things that are false jeopardy. So you think a character is in danger and then the commercial break comes back and they're not in danger or there's a big secret revealed. And then we wait for the commercials to be over before you see the characters react to it. Comic books is kind of the same thing, and it's always trying to make sure that the reader is turning the page and is enthusiastic about turning the page. So when you're looking at two pages side by side, the reason why you don't really want to do that is because we will naturally kind of look at the entire page as a whole. So if you have a big reveal on a double page, you will kind of take the wind out of that reveal sales by having it there. So as a comic book writer and as an artist, uh, you, your job is to say, okay, page one, you can have a little introductory story and then you can do a little mini cliffhanger, get people to turn the page. Now you're going to be looking at two pages, save your next page turner for the page on the right. And then when the page is on the right, you turn the page and then your page on the left, that's your big reveal. And then the page on the right you tell the rest of your story, and then you got another page reveal. That's kind of how they do it. And that's one of the little things you kind of have to keep in mind when you're doing this sort of stuff. Anyway, back to the book. This page reveal is a gorgeous, gorgeous splash page of Zar, the alien commander that we first met in the first issue who was sold to that carnival back in 1963. He is now not regular armor. He is in green and gold armor the cityscape beneath him is almost like a green hologram that he's standing in front of he's back is straight his hands clasped behind his back he's kind of standing like dark side if you know that character the soldier says that one the one with the big scar in his face czar points to one of the martian soldiers i ain't seen that one before and look in the way the other greenies are sucking up to him while he's barking orders in his crazy alien talk. He's the one in charge around here, I reckon. The big boss. We now see Czar staring at a bank of monitors. 
looking at the global destruction his invasion has wrought. A close-up panel of Zar's face. The caption reads, It would take six generations, but General Zar would finally have his revenge. Not just for what happened a half-century before, when Zar last visited Earth. Not just for what was done to him. Not just for what was done to his crew. But for all that was done to his ancestors. We see Zar walking down a hallway, into a room. Floating in green boxes are the bones of his former crew. We now see a long panel of a cowboy blasting an alien's head that is erupting from the bullets. Glass shattering all around. Explorer Zar. The next panel, those same Napoleonic soldiers hitting a Martian in the face with a cannonball, one of its eyes bulging out and flying off. Emissary Zar. We see an Aztec warrior hurling a spear through an alien head. Plenipotentiary Zar. We now see a panel of an Aztec warrior watching the Martians hover in space. A caption. The date. 1520 AD. Or thereabouts. Zayukotl was the first to spot the men in the sky and was greatly confused. By the way, if I'm mispronouncing Zayukotl, please forgive me. I, I just I, I just cannot figure out if this is exactly how I'm supposed to say this name. If anybody knows for sure, please correct me. He'd been told of a strange enemy from far, far away who'd been killing the people of the neighboring tribes. Savages with powerful weapons wearing strange garb and speaking an alien tongue. We see more Aztec warriors in silhouette amongst fire fighting Spanish soldiers. So not talking about Martians, but actual real human history. Only the stories Ayukoto heard told of them coming in boats. Sure enough, somebody, an Aztec warrior, is looking out from a tree at an incoming Spanish ship. He alerted his warriors that the strange enemy had finally come for his people, and Zayukotl ordered them to attack. So there's at least a fairly reasonable explanation why the Martians were attacked by the Aztecs at the time, because they had already been invaded by Spanish forces, which were killing them. So maybe they thought they were protecting themselves. Unfortunately for the Martians, so much war starts from misunderstandings like this. Here we have the Martians' retaliation. They are blasting away at the Aztec temples. The Aztec people are being vaporized into skeletons by the alien laser guns. The Martians themselves are wearing a variation of their uniforms. I mean, this is actually taking place hundreds of years ago, so the glass domes look a little different. There's an actual solid metal surface to it, and their laser guns are attached to their backpacks with a cord. So... Some, some subtle differences. Even the Martians have increased their technology. It's good. It's good to show that. I mean, I always hate it in science fiction where people are... Well, I don't hate it, but it's always weird to me when they show basically a species that has been at the height of technological sophistication for so long that they never really seem to invent new things, which is strange to me because maybe it's because humans are not at their technological peak, but we're always inventing new things. And so I think it's weird when... Yeah, 500 years ago, the alien uniforms looked exactly like they do today. I'm glad that they decided to make sure that the aliens look upgraded. It's a nice touch, I think. Retaliation upon Zayokoto's people was swift and severe. We see him 
plunging his spear down into an alien's face. But then he's struck on the back of the head by one of their guns. The butt of the gun, not specifically, he wasn't shot. And Zyokotl did not open his eyes again for the next 350 years. We see Zyokotl coming out of this strange pod that he was in some kind of suspended animation from. The caption reads, To a different time and a much different place. He's surrounded by aliens, and it seems that he is one among many different types of people from all over the world, all time periods it looks like, all walks of life, are being shuffled and marched in a straight line. The green men led him to a room with other human captives. We see this Union soldier talking to Zyokoto for the first time, maybe. Hey, buddy, you got any idea what's going on here? One man and I got old Stonewall Jackson ordering me and my men to Lexington. Next minute, a bunch of greenies bushwhacked us, and here I am. They were taken to strange machines, poked and prodded, sampled and scrutinized. And they're being strapped to these metal tables, and the Union soldier is having his head covered by this large bowl. Hey, what in tarnation are you doing? The two men are electrocuted and look like they're being experimented on. They seem to be tortured in some way. It's hard to say. And each time he was brought back to the sleep chamber, a few less humans followed. We see the two men walking away. Another one of their less fortunate friends looks like he is in... He might have been a samurai. It looks like he... The shoulder pads look like Japanese samurai type shoulder pads. And he's been charred to a skeleton. Until today. It's just the two of us now, buddy. And I got a sinking feeling that the clock's ticking for us. Just like it is for the rest of humanity. You even understand what I'm saying, pal? Sorry, I don't speak Injun or whatever the heck you are. But I'm pretty sure you're getting my drift. We see that Zayukoto is looking at this man. Not entirely sure what he might be saying. Maybe there is a language barrier. I mean, they're worlds and centuries apart, honestly, but he gives him a look of understanding. You know as well as me, it's now or never. All these greenies are only half paying attention to us on account of that Martian bigwig they got visiting. So if and we gonna do this thing, it's gotta be now! The soldier delivers an elbow to one of the Martians, breaking its bubble, hitting it right in the face. Zayokoto with one of the electric pikes that the Martian guards use to control them, is shoving it into a Martian trooper's chest. We now see Zar overseeing his invasion through these green holograms. The caption reads, Not far away, Zar would have preferred to be on the ground where the action was, to hear the human screams firsthand, to smell the human blood. According to all intelligence projections, the Martians would win this war decisively. But it was the lost battles that concerned Tsar the most. A failure to assassinate one of the Earth's world leaders. The destruction of the Martians' primary insect mutagen factory. Martian High Command ordered General Tsar to this ship to oversee the latest operation, and to make sure nothing else went awry. Everything goes red as an alarm bell fires off, and nothing did right until the alarm sounded that some human prisoners had escaped. The Martians are scrambling, an event that directly preceded the onboard explosions. We now see this Union soldier holding a giant alien weapon. It's smoldering a purple fume, and it's blasted a massive hole in the side of the wall. There's 
a dead Martian's clawed hand bloodied and limp in the foreground. Zayukotl looks genuinely shocked. This Union soldier's eyes are wide and he's got a big smile on his face. Hot darn, buddy. Now that's what I call a musket. Zayukotl has an alien ray gun of his own and he's looking at it excitedly. Hope you can figure out how to work that contraption. Just follow my lead. Shoot anything moving that ain't human. That's a pretty good sentiment, I guess. We see this Union soldier blasting away, aliens just erupting in blood and guts. Zayokoto firing off the laser gun, reducing aliens to bones. And blow everything else to kingdom come. It seems that this Union soldier is literally just like shooting at the walls now. This thing's causing a lot of damage, though. This gun that he has is extremely powerful. A card across the page... This Union soldier getting shot in the back. A soldier's sacrifice. Uh, Dad blasted. They got me, partner. He's on the ground, surrounded by exploded aliens. There's guts all over the place. Some of the blood is his, though. His back is smoldering. Zayokoto blasts one of the Martians that presumably shot this soldier in the back. We see this Union soldier pull out a piece of alien technology. He looks at it weakened, blood dripping from his mouth. But I'm... Still gonna get the last laugh. Not sure what this is, but it looks dangerous, and it might buy you some time. You know when they took me off Earth, we were fighting a pretty bad fight. Man against man. Brother against brother. What a waste. Against these greenies. We're all brothers. So you get, buddy, whoever you are, and leave these greenies to me. Zayokolto grabs the large Union soldier's gun that he was using that he took from the Martians while Martian troopers surround him. Zayokolto is booking it down the hallway. A massive explosion from behind him lights the entire panel orange. He's in silhouette. The caption reads, And so Zayokolto ran. Ran until there was nowhere else to run. And he found himself in a strange small room filled with devices he could not understand. Zayokotl said a brief prayer to his gods, and then randomly pressed buttons, pulled levers, and hoped for the best. So he has managed to find his way into a Martian ship, one of the flying saucers, because the, the, the Zara and the rest of them are on this big mothership, and he's found one of the smaller Martian pods. And he managed to hit a bunch of controls, and he's randomly fired off to the direction of Earth. The Martians tracked the craft, even as it jettisoned. General Zar's personal command craft. It was one insult too many. We see one of the Martians hitting a bunch of controls while they track the vessel. Zar ordered the gunners not to engage. The Martian gunner who was about to blow this flying saucer that Zayokolto's inside of to space dust looks confused. Zar walks off, looking at the Martian gunner from over his shoulder. There was no satisfaction in killing a worthy adversary with the press of a button. And after all this, Zar needed to have satisfaction. That's when Zar decided to go rogue, to defy Martian High Command, to go down to Earth and get his own hands dirty, to get his revenge and put the escaped Earthling thief to death, along with anybody else who got in his way. And as Zar makes his way to a flying saucer, other Martian troopers have prepared this ship and he is heading to Earth himself. We see Zayokotl had crashed his vessel and is now lying barely conscious in the dirt. We see 
a strange long stalk of a leg in the foreground and the silhouetted leg of a man, a voice from off panel. What do you figure he is? Danged if I know. Looks like an Aztec. He looks pretty tough. He sure does. And I'm guessing he's no friend of the Martians. So maybe he'll be willing to help. Because one thing's for sure. And we turn that page to get our last big reveal. We have a gorgeous splash page. I know I say that a lot, but I really like this page. And we see Zyakotl looking shocked. And we see Buck Spencer in a torn suit, military supplies, an alien ray gun in one hand, a handgun in the other. Next to him, Sidney Rose, riding a giant flea. Spencer says, We're gonna need all the help we can get. I don't know if I, I'm using, I've changed Buck Spencer's voice to kind of a Clint Eastwood thing. Sometimes people ask me, why do you do so many Southern accents when you do voices? I don't know why I do it. Well, first of all, in this, there's a lot of Southern ac accents that are being imparted to me by the script, but also, I don't know, like there's something about the fact that like when I do a voice, it seems to always kind of come off Southern. I don't, I don't, I don't know why I do that. But this is really cool. I, I mean, I really dig this process of you dedicate, this is almost like what the Marvel movies do, right? It's like you have one comic book that introduces you to a character. You first get introduced to Czar, right? Uh, the, the alien that will become the Martian general that will start this invasion. Then you get introduced to Buck Spencer. Then you get introduced to Sidney Rose. Well, you get introduced to Sidney Rose a little bit in the first issue too. And now Zyokotl. And now these three humans are going to team up. And guess who's coming to Earth? Czar. And that is going to have to wait until the next issue. As we finalize this story of Mars Attacks that we've been doing for the last four weeks, gonna be five weeks, and then the whole story's gonna be done. But that means we got another long story coming up and I need you guys to help me out. If you guys want me to read anything in particular, anything at all, as long as it's a comic book and it's horror. Also, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, which by the way is at West Dead Air Nipe, I also did I also did a little survey that asked if, if you guys ever wanted me to branch out and do some manga. The, the response was overwhelming. It was 100% yes. You guys thought that it'd be cool for me to eventually branch out and do some manga. So that is definitely something that could be on the table. So if you guys have a horror manga that you'd like me to do, I got some ideas myself. I'll put up a couple of surveys in the next coming weeks. After Mars Attacks, we are going to take a little interlude and we're going to do some more Tales from the Crypt stories uh, that went over really well. You guys seem to really dig the Tales from the Crypt stuff, so I'm more than happy to read more of that to you. And yeah, that's pretty much it. If you guys like this podcast, please let me know. Please, uh, if you want to write a review on iTunes, that would be really great. Or if you'd like to go to splatterpictures.net and just say, hey, what's up? I really appreciate it. I mean, I get a lot of love from you guys on Instagram and on uh, Twitter and Facebook, there's there's lots of love for this podcast, and it really means a lot to me. And I'm really digging this Mars Attack story, and I can't wait to finish it off for you. And uh, do, do yourself another favor and go and get this book. You've been listening to me read it to you for the last few weeks, but I, I really think that you guys would enjoy actually seeing the images themselves because the art is gorgeous in this uh, and uh, and I always feel like I'm I'm sort of showcasing these books, but I'm not really doing them justice. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a good time. At any rate, I am Wes Dead Air Nipe, and you have been listening to Panels of Blood.